0: Welcome back to Shit Your Therapist Won't Tell You. I'm Karen. And I'm Megan. And today we're going to talk about the motherhood thing.
1: Mother's Day just passed, so... I
0: hope everybody that is a mom had a great Mother's Day and were celebrated and appreciated and loved and got to relax. And and we talk about
1: a lot of stuff that relates to motherhood, but I don't think we've ever really come on here to do one about motherhood. So these are just our experiences everyone has different experiences and lives in a different version of motherhood and
0: different things work for different people but this is going to be based on our experience
1: and what we do yeah so it's going to be very personal personal to us yeah so i have two um one who's getting ready to be 6 in august and one who's getting ready to be 2 next month yeah and i have two
0: one that is nine (laughs) and a half and one that just turned eight in February. So
1: different genres.
0: Yeah. Different stages. (laughs) Yeah. Um, you know, we've done the expectation thing before, but I Mm -hmm. feel like it ties in a lot to motherhood and the expectations that we put on ourselves as mothers coming from.
1: And that society puts on us. Yeah. Coming, coming
0: from, um, you know, like your personal experience with your mother, good or bad, um, the example that was set for you to be a mother, societies. Or influence. an example that wasn't set. Yeah. Or, you know, your interpretation of what other people are living their motherhood life like. That's a big one. You mm-hmm. know, I say it all the time people only post their highlight reels, mm-hmm. and we get on social media, and it looks like everybody has everything all together. And you sit there and wonder why you don't, or what they're doing differently, or why they can do all this stuff, or why she's Miss Betty Homemaker, and and you can't even, like, get the kids' clothes cleaned, or, you know, whatever it
1: is. And it's so toxic to yourself. It's so toxic. Well, and that's where I think also the problem isn't with those people posting it, and I think there should be more real stuff posted. But I don't think like maybe they're posting that because they found something that works for them and they want to share it with people that do need help. The problem is that it triggered you. Right. And you got to figure out why and heal that part. Right. And figure out that part.
0: Well, and I think a lot of the triggers could be healed if people realize that other people don't live in this perfect world that you think they do right and it might not even be that they are trying to portray that but that's just how you interpret it yeah and like the trigger would really just if people do not post their real life on social media
1: no they don't and I think there's a combination of I think there are people out there on social media that are like my life is so perfect. Look at this and I don't mm-hmm. I don't struggle or anything. Yeah. One, if you see that, they're lying. Right. Um, but if you see something that somebody is just posting and they're not saying that, well also, I you know, I think like some people do
0: come to it more naturally. Yeah. Some people do struggle more than others with different parts of motherhood or motherhood yeah. altogether. And I've been thinking about it a lot because it's come up, it it always comes up with my clients that are mothers. And I want to get into that in a little bit. But, you know, I, a lot of what I do in those moments is help people learn how to, you know, be the best mom that they are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I hear people say, like, well, I can't get my kids to do this. Or how do you get your kids to do that? And it's made me reflect a lot back on my motherhood Mm -hmm. um, over the last couple weeks, really. And, um, I do have, it. I consider what I have pretty easygoing, I consider my kids to be really well behaved and well mannered. They listen to direction pretty well. I don't get a whole lot of shit from them, like regular shit. Like my son, you know, probably doesn't go a day without having an attitude about something. And my daughter has attitudes about things and, you know, but for the most part, it's pretty easy to me, but
1: that didn't come from the jump. Like, I worked to get there. That's what I was going to ask. Like, how was your experience when you first oh my God. had um, him? So it was really weird. Like, I've never dealt
0: with depression or anxiety or, you know, anything like that. But I remember, and I don't even think she knows that I heard it. But after we had my son and we came home, like, two days later, I was preparing to move with my son's father, who I was married to very freshly, we didn't know each other that great. I mean, we dated, he went off to the military. We got pregnant right before we got married on family weekend. He came home for the birth. And then two weeks later, we moved to Carolina. Um, but I remember my mom and me and my son's dad were in the living room with my son. I think my son was like sleeping in a swing or something. And I got up to go upstairs to go to the bathroom. And as I was walking away, I heard her say to him, when you guys get to Carolina, I, I want you to keep a really good eye on her because she doesn't seem okay. And when she said that, I went upstairs and I remember standing in the bathroom, looking in the mirror, like, am I not okay? I hadn't even like stopped to think. I mean, I had a really easy birth really like he was completely healthy well he came out not crying and it scared the shit out of me he didn't make noise and my mom said it's just because he was looking in wide-eyed wonder like around the room like what the fuck is this <laughs> um and they had to like spank him on the butt to make him cry or whatever but perfectly healthy no complications whatsoever um so i was tired you know because i was breastfed i was tired and i just my body just went through a traumatic experience because birth is traumatic to the body and You know, but I was looking in the mirror and I was like, am I not okay? Like, why would she have said that? Mm -hmm. It's very easy to tell if I'm not, which usually takes a really big amount of something to make me not okay, because I'm usually always like this. So it's a really drastic difference, a big contrast. And I couldn't figure out why she would have thought that. But then I thought about it and I was like, actually, I'm really sad because I was about to leave my mom mm-hmm. to go be with him who I loved at the time. You know, I loved him, to, uh, you know, our whole relationship. But, um, so we went to Carolina a couple days later and that's kind of what sparked my awakening, which is a whole different podcast, but he was the easiest fucking baby ever from the day we brought him home. He would sleep 6 PM to 6 AM. hmm. Um, he, obviously the first couple weeks he was waking up to eat, but like by a couple weeks in sleeping six P to six a, he would nap 10 to 12, two to four. And he was so easy. He would just chill by himself. I could do, I mean, really easy. It didn't get bad until he hit two and his trauma started coming out that I wasn't aware of at the time. And from two to four was the hardest. I hope ever point in motherhood for me that I could ever experience. Um, he started acting out. It was like a light switch went off one day because here's this kid that I had never, I was a really young mom. I was 19 when I had him. Um, I was 21 when I left his dad. So he was, he was 15 months old. So up until then it had been great. We moved home. He was great. Um, you know, you'd say, Hey Grace, are you ready for bed? And he'd run and get his blankie and his bottle and he would run and climb in the pack and play on his own. Like so fucking easy. Yeah. And then one day it was like a switch flipped and he was neurotic and I didn't know what to do. And he would have black outfits, I would say, because his eyes would like glaze over and yeah. dilate. And he had no idea what the fuck was going on. And he would bite and scratch and hit and throw shit and just he ripped my hair so bad once I had to cut bangs in a fit Oh wow! and it was over like nothing. And I would go to these doctors and they would tell me, Oh, you're a young mom. He's just about to be two. And I'm like, this is not normal. This is not terrible twos. This is not young mom. This is something wrong with my kid. So for two years, I dealt with that and night terrors Mm -hmm. and I was dating somebody at the time because my husband and I had split up and divorced. Um, and, he was great with him during those years, but it was so hard and scary. I looked at my mom one night during a, a black outfit and genuinely asked her, do you think we should call a priest? Because I thought he was possessed. And that was before my awakening right. to mediumship because his lips were black. His face was gray. He was darting his eyes all around the room, screaming for me while I was holding him. And I was like, this is not fucking normal. Something's right. wrong." So after we figured out, Trauma, and started dealing with that. You know, we got on amend again, and he's ADHD anyway. The side effects from trauma that he went through are identical to that. On top of it, um, and you know, once we figured out the ADD and got him help with that and stuff. I mean, he tests me, and I went through, and am still working through a really hard time with punishment in consequence Uh because during those two years I knew something wasn't right. I knew this wasn't him. And then afterwards I really knew. And I was like, how do I punish him for acting out when he's acting out in pain, like emotional pain and distraught? Um, so that was really difficult for me because while I had my boyfriend at the time, basically I was a single mom and I was, you know, the sole proprietor for him, for my son. And it was really scary and difficult. And I would I was terrified because I dated an abusive guy in high school. And when my two, three, four-year-old son was acting like this, I would get flashbacks of like PTSD of my ex in high school. So you had
1: to do a lot of growing. and Yes, and I that. was
0: like, I can't let him turn into this kind of person, and that's what he's going to be if I don't fix this. But I had no idea what I was dealing with, and I was dealing with it emotionally. Did
1: you feel like you were failing?
0: No, no. I never felt that. I got this fire under my ass of um, advocacy. Mm-hmm. and i knew that like that wasn't even an option to me and i and that's not to say it's bad when that happens to people cuz i get that but just who i am i was like i don't have time to feel like a failure i have to fix this i have to help even them. before
1: like you knew what it was
0: yeah i mean it was exhausting but i was like i i knew in it was my a gut deep from the moment that it, from the was moment not, that it wasn't right. me i knew from the moment it started that it wasn't me that it was something else that it wasn't him right um so no. I mean, I mean, there are times now where I f- I'll feel like a bad mom because I don't spend enough time with him during the day, or I let my temper get the best of me and I yell when I shouldn't, or he'll look at me when I'm fussing and he'll be like, would you just stop yelling at me? Cause he's nine Yeah. Now. and I'm like, oh my God, just throw a stake in my heart. But
1: my five-year-old does that.
0: Um, I mean, it's not per, I mean from the outside. And even on the inside, I feel like I have it pretty easy in motherhood, but there are absolutely times and days where I feel like I'm not doing enough or I need to do better, or I'm tucking him in at night and I'm laying down with him until he falls asleep. And I whisper to him while he's sleeping tomorrow, I'll, I'll do better. I promise. I was going to say,
1: what do you do in those moments? Um, Cause I think with moms for, and I'll go into it in a minute, but for a lot of moms that feeling consumes them and then it's like a downward spiral right i um
0: on to be completely honest and this is the a larger part of the metaphysical aspect that we don't touch on a whole lot um i will go into meditation and i will call on my healing guide i had a really bad day once with grayson it was in first grade he was having a really shitty year and he was just being an asshole getting ready for school in the morning. And he was yelling and screaming and telling me he wasn't going to go. And I got tired of him screaming. I mean, I smacked him in the mouth mm-hmm. and it broke his heart more than it hurt his mouth.
1: completely. Right.
0: Took him to school, came home and like cried the entire day. I felt like shit. I felt like I was an inch tall. I felt like, I should have had better control over myself. I felt like I'm the adult. I should be, if if I'm expecting him to control his emotions and I'm not controlling mine, what sense does that make? Right. Um, and I was sitting in what used to be the office in the upstairs part of my house. And I was sitting at my altar and I was just crying. And one of my guides, my healer guide, her name is V. She came up to me and I felt her put her hand on my chest and made me lay back on the floor. And she just did this like, enormous work on my heart chakra.
1: Mm-hmm. And it
0: just it felt so okay after that. Like I was like, I've I smacked him in the mouth. Maybe I should have, maybe I shouldn't have. I can't marinate on that any longer. you can't undo it. You know, when he gets home, we're gonna have a talk. I'm gonna apologize and we're gonna have a better day tonight and we're gonna have a better day tomorrow. And um so going forward, anytime I get in that mindset, I just go into that meditative state and I call on her. And she comes in and she helps me and she clears me. And then I,
1: I'm like, yeah, this is a, like, it's just like. It's being able to see things more clearer than just seeing it through the emotion. Right. Well, yes, because you're clearing
0: out that negative emotion. So like if you get in a car accident and you jar your back. Yeah. You know, time isn't going to unjar it. You need to go to somebody to do that. Just because you move on emotionally and like time frame wise from the accident doesn't mean that that injury isn't still there in that moment I injured an unbalanced part of my heart chakra and I was letting it eat me up for hours until she came in and was like, we need to clear this out. It's really in, and that goes back to the last podcast we
1: did about the difference between letting go and moving on. Yeah. Um, you can't just let something like that go because it will consume you. And well, yeah, especially with letting, letting that go, that is going to fester and go and disperse in different places. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, there are, definitely days and times where I have that and my kids are nowhere near perfect I think they are really good kids and they're pretty well behaved um but I also am really good at setting boundaries and letting my kids know what is expected of them and not in an expectation way but a standard way
1: like well and also one of the things (laughs) always not that my other friends or anything don't have this but something that it really stands out to me with your Grayson is he is very, very, very much his own person. Mm-hmm. And he is not, when we say good kid, it's not like the robot type doesn't do anything wrong. Right. Sits there and he doesn't have an opinion. So. He is a very opinionated kid yeah. and he is very much like.
0: He's a true sag. Yeah. He's a Sagittarius. <laughs> but he, through, and through Like
1: that's what impresses me is like, you don't shut that out. Like, yeah. You allow him to express that and talk to him not just as a child, as a human being, right? And that teaches more than suppressing. Well, kids have self. to be heard, yeah,
0: because the, and this is what I explain to people, and this is like communication 101, not just with parenthood or motherhood, but kids have to be heard because what they're saying or thinking makes sense to them mm-hmm. if it's wrong you telling them it's wrong does not change their mind. It's, it's not able to that. That statement is not possibly going to change their mind, but if you let them talk and express themselves and they're heard, you can understand where they're coming from. And then you can understand how or why what they're doing or saying is wrong or inappropriate. You can't just say it's wrong. Cause what is that? What the fuck does that teach? And I them?
1: think that takes more strength because especially in the generation like that we are now, but it takes more strength to hear your kid out and see where they're coming from and help them develop that. than it does to just be like, do what I said because I said so. Oh I hate that. And that is easy. And you want them to just do that. You know, at the same time though, and this just popped up into my head,
0: I can feel the energy of the fact that there are grown adults out there that have adult children that don't really know their kids. Mm -hmm. How are you ever going to really know your kid if you don't let them talk and express themselves?
1: I think also in reverse of that, there are grown children out there that don't know their parents because their parents didn't allow them to see that side. Yeah. Like there's a lot of people that grow up and then they take that into parenting where they didn't know their parents. They only knew them as a parent. Right. Instead of a human being and seeing us struggle too,
0: right? No, I think it's very important. That's the, uh, another thing to talk about. I think it's very important for kids to see their parents um, struggle because if you're struggling and then you figure out the problem and you pull out of it, it teaches them what to you know do. how how to do that, and it doesn't and it it doesn't program unrealistic expectations into their mind because kids want to grow up and let's say they have a, a healthy parental figure. They want to grow up to be like them. So if you are And they a think parent that they don't that, struggle. Yeah, so if you're a parent that feels like you need to never let your kids see you struggle and that you're perfect, what message is that sending to them that they have to be perfect?
1: So that when they do struggle, they feel like they're failing and then yeah. you're trying to help them through that, but they're comparing themselves to you. That's why I always go back to my kids and apologize for
0: losing my temper or shouting or you know whatever. And my husband and I we don't fight. We debate, Mm -hmm. I think is probably the best. We we haven't had a fight since like four months before we got married, which was in 2017. We have not had a fight since 2017. And even then it wasn't really a fight. It was more of a discussion. Um, But if we disagree, which we do Mm -hmm. on lots of things, we disagree about parenting and the kids and food and the house. I mean, we're normal people.
1: I think that's a lot to be said, too, to be able to differentiate between a fight, a debate, and a discussion.
0: Yeah. Well, exactly. And we don't fight. But when we have those debates or discussions, we don't run off to the bedroom or outside of the back porch to do it. We do it right there. And the kids see it. And they see how we work through it. And sometimes they see him give and say, Okay. Yeah. You know, I'll give that to you. Sometimes they see me do it. Sometimes they see us come to a mutual understanding or resolution and that's important. It is. They have to know how to do that and they have to know that it's a thing. Otherwise you end up with grown adults
1: that don't know how to communicate or get through any kind of discussion with somebody that has different opinions. Right. What about you? How do you feel like, um, so mine were two were very different.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, And this is where my passion lies, especially, and and it's constantly growing, I've noticed. Um, My pregnancies were actually very easy. I didn't have anything go wrong or any high-risk issues. I, through Grayson, my Grayson, I I struggled a lot. This was, of course, before I started my counseling, my metaphysical counseling. Um, I struggled with letting myself enjoy being pregnant because I was so scared that if I enjoyed it and really submerged myself into it, that something would happen and I would lose him or something, Mm. my warped way of thinking. But also I was, I did not enjoy being pregnant anyways. I felt like I had an alien inside of me and Grayson was like the Hulk. Like I didn't, I don't even know how he didn't break a rib. But um, when I had him, it was great um i struggled a lot with breastfeeding i think i made it um less than 2 weeks and that was really hard for me because it was what i was supposed to do mm-hmm. i and i was failing and my body couldn't even do what it was supposed to um and i gave up very easily and that messed with me a lot and then also in those 2 weeks and going forward i dealt a lot with postpartum and okay. postpartum depression and I did not realize that that's what it was because I had dealt with depression and anxiety my entire life and it was not showing up that way. Um, It was showing up in irritability and rage and anger and feeling like I had to be perfect. Like I would sanitize bottles for hours and inspect them to see if they had spots and would do it over. If somebody else did the dishes, I would redo them. Like I became compulsive. Um, And me and Tiffany struggled. Like, that was, it was a hard time. We still have a hard time talking about it. We are much further in talking about it. But it was so hard that we struggled with even wanting another one. Like, I'm not right. going through that again. Um, and then I had got on medication. Things had gotten better. My, I don't remember a lot of his, like, first couple of years. I remember little things, but it was like I was on autopilot. Yeah. And then we decided to have another one and we went through with it and it worked. And when I was what, I was probably like six weeks pregnant, yeah, maybe 12, like eight weeks pregnant. I had already knew what I wanted to find. And we've been through all of this on a different podcast, but um, I knew that I had to get ahead of the game because I knew that it was going to come back. And I wanted to be prepared with it.
0: And you didn't want to take the medicine.
1: Again. And I did not want to be on medication. I did not want to, like, I already wasn't on it. And that it was a big thing between you and
0: Tiffany too, because she was really adverse to the idea of you not taking medicine. and yeah. doing something. Well,
1: like because it idea. was such a big change from after I had Grayson and the struggles that I went through. And then I got on medication and it, in quotes, fixed the behavior I was doing, Right. but I didn't feel good. Like, I just felt right. like I was literally floating through life, and I didn't enjoy my kid.
0: Right.
1: Um, and Grace was really, I mean, we dealt with acid reflux and stuff like that in the hours of crying. And I remember a time where my dad, and it's still so, something he does, um, he came and got me and Grace, in, and Grace was probably a couple months old, and he took me to Lowe's and picked out almost $200 worth of flowers. Let me pick them out. And we came home and to my house, which is almost an hour from him. And he sat there and planted all of them and told me because he was going through the acid reflux stuff. And the only thing that would help would be like go outside or like to vigorously shake him in the car seat. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, well, if you're going to be sad, if you come outside, you have something pretty to look at. So, and whenever I'm having struggle, like that's kind of mine and his thing is to plant stuff. Yeah. and. Now, I know that even inadvertently, that is a way of grounding yourself. And I still now do that at home. So with Gavin, um, I started counseling with you through my whole pregnancy. And I noticed I went through the and I had trouble breastfeeding. I got a couple days further, but I didn't have the expectations that I did with the first one. Um, I had all the same exact feelings. Right. With Gavin that I did with Grayson, I handled them completely different. And instead right. I was thriving
0: right.
1: with it instead. and learning through them. Yes. And growing. Um, one of my biggest struggles, their days were especially um, it doesn't get easier just because they get older. I truly believe it gets harder. Um, because there's new new obstacles. Mm-hmm. Um, so now that they're five and two. I am enjoying it a lot more, but I, there are days that I do feel like I'm failing or that I could be doing more. I just handle it completely different now right? because now I have the control. So I don't let that feeling consume me or other people's opinion on parenting. Cause I'll be the first one. I will listen to advice even if I didn't ask for it, but I also don't care about your opinion. If it doesn't, isn't productive to me. Right. <laughs> But I like trying new things. Um, and the biggest thing, actually, Grayson is my most spirited. So is Gavin, but it's on a whole different level. <laughs> Gavin is, or Grayson is my, like, flower child. Yeah. Like, like so, why can't I walk on the clouds? I do it when I'm sleeping. Exactly. <laughs> and then trying to explain that stuff to him. And he understands it fully. Once I explain it to him, he's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> um, but one of the biggest things with him is he is a why child. Mm -hmm. Why, why can't I do this? Why can't I jump off of the steps? Right. Um, and I have always like, if something doesn't feel right, parenting to me, I know there's a reason. So I'm not going to just do it because it's what you're supposed to do. Right. And it's like, I, I understand the concept of don't ask why do what I tell you, but he doesn't understand that. So I have always told him, you can ask why on anything. But I, if it's, if I'm asking you to do something or to move or do something, I need you to do it first and then ask why. Because if we're in an emergency situation, I don't want him to stop and be like, well, why do, why do we have to run out the door or something like that? I want you to do it first and then I can explain it. But I want him, I always want him to question stuff. Teaching him to just do what I say is forming him into a robot. Yeah. It teaches him to be a sheep. And I, and I want him to question. I want him to know. Why is the sky blue? Why is the ocean this? And like, I want him to just absorb all of that. And right. to, I think my biggest joy, because we struggle a lot and I've been through a lot of struggles with parenting, but also the joy side of it is I am and a very emotional person. The first time that Grayson saw fireworks, I cried <laughs> like to see, like to actually be able to see them see things for yeah. the first time is so overly emotional and those are the things like I don't forget right like even like no I didn't cry when he walked for the first time but I cried when he saw fireworks and his face I I could get choked up talking about it when he saw it yeah it was just amazing so those are like my favorite things um about parenting but let's talk about um mom guilt yeah that sucks
0: (laughs) um in addition to, you know, like the times where I might lose my temper or mm-hmm. things like that. <clears throat> excuse me. I guess I have two examples of when I've experienced mom guilt. Mm-hmm. The first one is what a friend of mine started getting me to so lovingly call um, single mom syndrome. Mm-hmm. Single mom syndrome being while I was a single mom, all of my money always went to Grayson. Right. Well, when I wasn't a single mom anymore, or I had extra money, I always had a really hard time buying anything for myself or doing anything for myself because I would always say, well, I could get him a new pair of shoes with this, or I could put this in his savings, or I could get him, you know, a new toy that he wants, or I could get him a bike or, you know, whatever. And he didn't always need those things. I also started Grayson at a really young age, just window shopping. Cause I like to do it. And I always took him everywhere. I never said, Oh, I can't go there. I have a baby. I put his ass in the stroller and we went everywhere. Cause mm-hmm. I cannot sit at home. And, um, so he learned early on that we go to the store and window shop and we would not leave with anything. Right. So he wasn't that kid that always wanted something every time we went. Right. I didn't only take him when I was buying something. Um, but probably the biggest mom guilt that I've, Gone through was when, and I know this is an extreme example, but was when I found out that he had been being abused by yeah. a family member. Um, and it was really hard on me because I didn't, I wasn't allowing myself to let go of the idea that it was my fault because I was the one trusting this person, I was the one leaving him with this person. And there was one time, and I still struggle with this, there was one time I was taking him to stay with this person for the weekend because I was going to go out with my friends and be a normal 21-year-old. And we mm-hmm. were going to go to a concert. And we I remember you talking about yeah. And when I dropped him off with this person, he was hysterical. And he had never acted like that before. And he was reaching for me and screamed, crying, like having one of those black outfits saying he didn't want me to go he didn't want to stay he didn't want to he didn't want to do this and um <clears throat> you know i just thought it was one of his fits so i was like you're fine you're safe mommy's gonna go have a... you know the one time i decided to spend money and time on myself and not him i'm you know i'm like fighting it now because he was fighting me not wanting to stay which had never happened and you know i pulled off and i left and i went and i hung out with my friends and i was a normal 21 year old for a night and i got drunk and i went to a concert And like, it still kind of like, like makes the back of my mouth water. Like it makes me nauseous to think that I like left him there when he was like screaming and telling me like, no mom, I don't want to do this because there's a reason like,
1: don't do this. And I did. But kind of going back to the one where we did the forgiveness thing. Yeah. You also have to have the grace and understanding that you didn't know what was going on. Yeah. And that when you did. You Action did what you did. Right. Yeah. It's not like you knew and still did it. Right.
0: But. You know, there's a million reasons why you can excuse mom guilt and like, say like, Oh, you know, I know like people will say when they have mom guilt, I know I shouldn't feel this way. Like,
1: But it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't stop. the feeling. And, I think that we shouldn't excuse it. Right. I think you should uh, like validate it and say right. like, this is why I'm having it. It's not, that's that whole like letting go versus moving on. It's still going to be there. Just because yeah. you know why, but it's, reprogramming that mom guilt
0: right and I just I think it's important for people to know that like that's something I still struggle with like it still makes me nauseous to think I can see it so vividly that day I can see the clothes that everybody was wearing like where we were standing the look on his face and it just makes me so nauseous and the guilt used to consume me yeah it it doesn't consume me now I still obviously wish I could go back and say like something isn't right here. Um, you know, but then I remind myself, everything happens for a reason. If I hadn't done that, maybe we wouldn't have found out what was going on. You know, I didn't have any evidence at that point, you know, but if I had a suspicion, maybe it would have stopped before I had evidence, you know, or, or, you know, whatever. And not that, you know, I wish we didn't have to, but. You know, I, I walk myself through that and remind myself, like, I didn't know. I was 21. I deserved a night out. He certainly did not deserve what happened to him. But it was, it's just one of those things that probably will never go away. Right. And, and that's okay. I'm not trying to let it go and just not deal with it. I recognize that it's there and I work through it when it comes up.
1: My biggest mom guilt comes from taking time by myself away from them. I think that's probably the most common. And I, even like going to take a bath, I'm like, I feel like I have to time myself, like, because, and it sucks because a lot of times you can reprogram that and, like, you know, you have, you deserve time by yourself. My five year old will call me out on it every single time and be like, why do you always want to go take a bath away from us? Why do you always go in your room? You've been in there long enough. Like, he is, Yeah. Very opinionated. Um, and he has actually told other people, like one of my biggest things is now that I live in Florida, I come back up here a lot of times by myself to regenerate myself and fill my tank. Um, and he has told other people, well, I don't, I don't know why mom mama wants to get away from us all the time. And so we actually had a big talk about it. Because I don't like him feeling like that. I don't want him to feel like, and that's where the guilt is, is like, and instead of being like, well, I'm just not going to fill my tank. I explained to him, I sat down and like, talked to him about why I do this. It's not to get away from you. It is because I am depleted and I need to fill my tank so that I can be better for you.
0: I think people underestimate children's ability to understand and comprehend things. And they don't talk. I've never talked to Grayson like a baby. I've always talked to him like a person. And I've always treated him like one. And if I thought even remotely, he could do something on his own. I had him do it. Right. And you know, it's kind of like,
1: well, I think we've been programmed to think that they they don't, I mean, we came from a society of they for sit down, be quiet. Don't be heard. Right. Don't be seen. But they have just as much ability and understanding, if not more. Mm-hmm. Cause they're so fresh. Do. Yeah.
0: And getting them to do things that they can do on their own. You know, my mom, my When you see your parents turn into grandparents, it's hilarious because they turn into completely different people. Yep. Um, My mom's always let me be pretty independent. But when Grayson was really little, I would let him do things. Like when he was four, he was making his own breakfast in the toaster Mm -hmm. with waffles and syrup. And, um, you know, I would let him do things. And she's like, oh, mommy, you should help him with that. You should do that for him. And I'm like, he can do it. And if he can do it, I'm going to let him do it so that he's independent and doesn't rely on me. It's not my job to make him rely on me.
1: I did want to touch on something else before we end it also, because I think it's something um, a lot of people, struggle. I struggled with it at first, um, is the mom shaming. Mm. There's no place for it. Let's just put that out there. Um, but it is your responsibility, personally, whether or not you give that mom shaming energy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because like yes, if you're being we, shamed or if right, you're doing the shaming? Well, both. But I think we're so easy and advocate and we should always advocate for it to stop the mom shaming. But on the other side of that, you can only have it affect you if you give it power. Right. So, and you, if you already have that insecurity and the mom guilt, they're feeding right into it. It's a vicious cycle. And
0: but you should understand that anybody that's mom shaming, it's coming from a place of their own insecurity. Well,
1: and it's over even like big things. There's a girl that I follow on TikTok. I really like her. I think her name's Heather and she does a lot of mom content and she is just like, give no F's. And she even came on there one day and said, you know, today I was a bad mom. My kid ate the top of a muffin, some, some Fritos. I'm pretty sure she had something to drink now, she was just getting over, like, being really sick, and they had some uh-huh. um, car broke down issues and everything. Yeah. But she was basically saying she ate, but it wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. Right. And she had people come at her in the comments, was like, you know, we could file a CPS report on that. That's neglect. What? And she was like, are you kidding me? Like, it's, it's this whole thing. But – I was just shocked at like the whole, and she did have a lot of support too. Like right. sometimes you need somebody to be honest and show that and be honest so that other people don't feel alone. But I would deal with like the mom shaming not even mom shaming. I, Cause sometimes I think people do it and don't realize that it's mom shaming. Um, a lot of older generations do this mm-hmm. is like, Oh, this baby needs some socks on his feet mm-hmm. or why don't they have a coat on? It's chilly not your opinion I mean it's not like I sucked my kid naked in the snow right like which that generation used to do <laughs> right <laughs> um my kids hate shoes Yeah. like I'm trying to get them to stop peeing outside because we're in a neighborhood now yeah like and honestly if they do then I don't care Like I'm lucky if Grayson changes his underwear every day.
0: <laughs> right like um no and if you do feel like a victim of mom shaming I would encourage you to go back and
1: listen to the judgment thing. Also, we need to do one on victim mentality. Yeah. If you're feel like you're a victim of mom shaming, then you're living in a victim outlook.
0: Right. But the point in that is, you know, it's coming from a place of their own insecurity and their own unrealistic expectations of what being a mom is supposed to be. And it makes you feel like they know better than you.
1: Yeah. Like they're, More experienced,
0: and you get the sense of like inferiority, right? And I don't know, they just it's coming from a place of their own insecurity and unrealistic expectations of what they think mothers should be, Mm -hmm. and they're probably drowning themselves trying to uphold that. So then they're going to lash out at other
1: people that don't seem to carry that same stress. Also, I don't know, this came to me also. People that offer unsolicited advice, they or I struggle with both sides of this because sometimes people should write it back and figure out if somebody wanted advice. But at the same time for me, unsolicited advice didn't bother me. Like it's if, unless they were being shameful or um, pushy about it. Right.
0: If, if unsolicited advice affects you negatively, then you're already insecure about the topic. And that is a signal right. to you to figure out where you need to grow.
1: But a lot of times, like if somebody for instance hypothetically post something on facebook and it's like my kid's not sleeping and then all of a sudden you have all these advice in the comments i guess i have a different outlook on it because they're just sharing what worked for them and it might work for you it might not work for you
0: Right.
1: but i have always taken the stance like i will try anything especially if i'm struggling right um i guess it's the energy maybe it's coming from And I can tell, like, if somebody's just trying to be helpful, like, hey, just try this. This is what worked for us. Teething was a big thing for us. We didn't, it wasn't a struggle, but they would, both Grayson and Gavin um, would want to pop teeth in, like, four at a time. And then molars were really bad. And then I would have people, like, try this, try that, try this. And instead of being, like, I'm doing the best I can, I can't do this. Right. I tried each of them. Right. And then I found what worked for us was freezing a washcloth. and it wasn't messy and it was soft and it helped, um, the texture, all of that stuff. So then when I had a friend who had a child that was struggling and I'm like, you know, have you tried this? It's not saying you're doing it wrong. You need to do this. It's like, I struggled with that too. And I just want to show you what things worked and what didn't work for us. Right. Well, and so
0: back to like the trauma thing with my um, before we knew about the trauma, those two years when he was acting out absolutely insane, you know, I was asking everybody for help. I would call every doctor I could reach in they either wouldn't take his insurance or he was too young or, you know, whatever. And, um, you know, people always had advice and I always felt bad because I was like, I'm not trying to be the person with a problem to every solution, but I've tried all of this. Right. And people would get frustrated with me, like thinking I wasn't taking their advice. And I'm like, no, I appreciate it. I just need something new. Like, what what you're telling me i've already tried i've tried that yes i've tried that yes i've tried that some things worked a little bit but obviously nothing was going to work until we found out about what happened to him and this is a totally different topic for another podcast but from going through that when i see people comment on facebook like anonymously and ask the looking moms or whatever um i will comment and be like please don't take this the wrong way but i wish somebody had had the guts to say this to me uh-huh. what you're explaining sounds like early childhood sexual abuse yeah look into it look into who they're staying with rule out nobody mm-hmm. and just hear because I wish because it's so taboo and hopefully and, it's and, not that yeah but and, you, and you can't tell somebody that their kid's being sexually abused fuck that shit I wish somebody had told me because maybe we would have caught it sooner and do you know out of maybe a handful of people that I've said that to, I was right about three of them. Mm -hmm. One was a stranger in Chick-fil-A
1: Yeah,
0: said how well her kid played with mine. And we started talking about their issues and stuff. And I said it to her face, we exchanged numbers and she reached out to me like a month later and said that I was right. It's not about being right though, but it's about not being afraid to give advice and not being afraid to receive it. Right. Exactly. You know, and recognizing that mom shaming is coming from that same insecurity and unrealistic expectations that you have based on, you know, social influence or, you know, the example that you had growing up or didn't have or whatever. Nobody, and I I saw this the other day and it's really important. Women are not born knowing how to be mothers. It's learned one cry at a time, one mess up at a time, you know, one spill at a time, one drop at a time. Like, it's learned. Like it is a, it is the biggest lesson that you go through with this tiny little human that teaches you how to do it. And then you turn around and
1: teach them. I think that was a big thing too. When I first had Grayson and I, I know everybody was coming from a good place is not that something I would have a lot of people saying, something's not right. Something's wrong. Um, but it more made me feel crazy, Mm -hmm. but also, And I had a lot of people telling me like, it's okay. It's okay. Like this is what, stop telling people it's normal.
0: Oh yeah. Normal and common are not synonymous.
1: Yeah. Because what I felt was not normal. It's not normal to, and I don't even have the words to like, I could probably give you a whole dictionary of words, but it is not normal to have the thoughts and feelings that I did. And by people telling me it was normal stopped me from reaching out because I just right. thought I was supposed to feel this way. Right. No, And I was no. supposed to struggle.
0: Postpartum depression, anxiety, depression, anxiety in general, um, mom guilt. None of that is normal. It's common, but it is not. And it's normal. programmed. It is not normal to feel unhealthy. Yeah. And if you feel unhealthy mentally, spiritually, emotionally, or physically, it's not normal.
1: And reach out and, and be open to receiving that help. Yeah. From people like there are like, Everybody as needs that. there's community out there. Everyone needs that. Cause as much as I say, like the mom shaming and people like against each other, there's a, a large percentage that are very helpful mm. and are willing to be there. And that's where I want to like, and just, really because, be a part and just of-
0: because you see people that seem like they have it all together, but you don't see them reaching out for help doesn't mean they're doing it on their own. Yeah, exactly. it doesn't. So don't feel like you have to do it on your own because, well, this person can, so why can't I? How the fuck do you know that they are? Because that is somebody that you don't even know in real life, probably. Or maybe you're just an acquaintance to them and it looks like they have it all. How do you know that they don't have help? How do you know they don't have a therapist or, you know, an extremely supportive significant other or yeah. a mother themselves? You know, it's everybody needs the help. I think that is like probably the most important message I can get through to this one.
1: Yeah. And also like, whether you're a single parent or you have a supportive family or you don't have a supportive family, like whatever your situation is, you're not alone. And also you don't have to want kids. That's right. a big thing. I'm not, that's where I wanted to touch on the motherhood thing is it's okay. If it's not for you, you don't get the, everyone else doesn't get to decide timing or even if it's something for you, if you don't want that, that is Okay, that it's not your purpose. Yeah. If it is, then it will be. And if it's to do it on your own, then do it on your own. Yeah. Nobody, you don't have to like be in love or be married or you don't even have to. You don't even have to. You you can go to the doctor and do it yourself, and that is okay. Yeah. That is more than okay. Like just be you. No, if if it's in the middle of parenting and motherhood, if it is on your own. If you have teenagers, if you have grown children, if you have newborns, whatever feels true to you is the way that you should go.
0: Yeah. And don't be afraid to make mistakes because you're going to. Just let them be lessons to your kids. Learning opportunities to learn how to work through problems and not beat yourself up
1: over them. Yeah, Treat them like humans. Yeah. Also, side note, um, wrapping this up, we are going to be doing a live question and answer coming up here shortly so if you are not part of our facebook page please go on there so that you will be notified when we're live and you can ask us questions about anything whether it's Mm -hmm. spiritual metaphysical parenting personal personal even if you want to know what our favorite food is mine's mac and cheese (laughs) then you can ask us and
0: if you are not a Uh, part of that group that is facebook.com forward slash mind body spirit home
1: it's also linked in the show notes on every single one okay cool
0: yeah so make sure that you're um, on there and following so that you can see the announcements before we get on yeah you go up
1: to the little side and hit um see notifications first
0: yes and the live will not be saved to facebook
1: Right. It will only be on the podcast afterwards. Right. So you'll only be able to ask us questions live while we're doing it. Yeah. So we hope to
0: see lots of you there. That would be super awesome.
1: It would. We want like all the questions. Yeah. From everyone. I don't think there'll be anything we won't answer. Yeah. That is Facebook worthy, like within the guidelines.
0: (laughs) All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening to the mother thing. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.